Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us for another week of drama. You're going to absolutely love our guest today, Dana Steingold, currently starring in The Cottage. You've seen her in Beetlejuice. You've seen her on television, which we don't get into because of the strike, but we do support the writers and everyone in SAG-AFTRA, so slay. But anyway, I really want to tell you about something else before we get into this amazing chat with Dana. It's our Patreon, patreon.com slash the drama podcast, where for $5 a month, you get access to our Instagram close friends where we get all the juicy goss, hot takes, everything out there. It's so fun. Um, it's actually one of my favorite parts of doing the pod, to be honest with you. But anyway, you get access to that and you get extra bonus episodes where Dylan and I chit chat about all things theater, pop culture, love, life, our personal lives. It's super, super fun. That money helps us keep the pod going like a well-oiled machine. Thank you so much for finding us. Go follow us on social media, on Spotify, on Apple. Give us five-star reviews and enjoy this episode with Dana. Join our Patreon, patreon.com slash the drama podcast. I gave you a lot of things to do and I know you're probably like, oh my God, I'm overwhelmed, but you know what? You can just re-listen to this. We love, love, love you. It's time for the show. Press play. Curtain of an hour in. It's time to take spin. The shade and tea to spill. Ooh, drama. Oh, that's a tweet. Did they book? Who got an They option no. Oh, I'm not well. What, what star will we talk to today? today? Oh, that's a gag, honey. Say no more. Drama. Drama. Welcome to Drama, a podcast that covers theater. Pop culture, love, and life. I am Connor McDowell. And I am Dylan McDowell. Connor, I realized I haven't updated you yet. I saw the national tour of Frozen here in Columbus recently. Okay, random. When did you go? It was when you were it was when you were away, I will say. Oh, was it I was I was on the plane? Mm-hmm. I feel like you didn't tell me anything. This yeah. is funny. This is like, I one know. Of the, you know, we were warned early on. They were like, don't just save things for the podcast because it'll ruin your like real life friendship, mm-hmm. which LOL. But I cannot believe we haven't talked about this. So much has happened. So I know. I'm jealous because I secretly love Frozen. I kept thinking about you. I was like, that was like one of those shows that you wanted to see all the time when I it was know. playing in New York. And like, the one thing I kept thinking about was I can't believe we never saw Sierra Renee go in at the very, you know, right when it, right before the pandemic, they had like the new cast, they implemented tour changes. So the production that went, that was, is going around the country is the slightly adjusted production. So they don't have Anna's act two ballad, true love anymore. Yeah. I like that song, but it does slow down the action. It does. It does. And they, but they still had like a weird reprise of it, like shortly thereafter. And it was kind of like, oh, have we heard this melody before? They changed and, their minds. Yeah, but they did add a, a beautiful duet between Elsa and Anna. It's like right before Let It Go reprise. Oh, that's kind of nice. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. famously, the story between the sisters is the love story of Frozen. So I period, love that they period. have a duet because they don't have a duet otherwise, do they? Um, kind of. Do you want to build a snowman? I mean, if they, they don't really sing too much together. But yeah. anyway, it need was more, amazing. We need more duets in the musical theater canon that are two women singing with each other. Mm-hmm. about like love or friendship or you know because those those hit and they really play well in like a cabaret setting too i have concert. two favorite now that we're thinking about this i have two favorites one of them is when mama gets married from gypsy i think that's an amazing duet between two women and then fantastic how the other half lives from thoroughly modern millie great mm-hmm. choices mm-hmm. great i think yeah. the go-to is usually like oh take me or leave me but whoever's doing the maureen part has a lot more to sing at the beginning you know for most of it Mm-hmm. I I love what's the one from A Little Night Music? Every day, a little death. Is that where they sing together? Yeah. Um, I think so. I'm actually yeah. not as you know abreast on that album as you are, but maybe we will be soon because there's rumors the revival coming. Anyways, okay. Anyway, we need yeah. to get into it. This is a crazy Broadway season, but there's been these wonderful new productions popping up throughout the summer, and our guest today, who. I mean, everyone who's listening already knows who she is because she like was a breakout star, I suppose, a couple seasons ago. And now she's returning to Broadway. And I, I'm going to read her in. I know. Well, I'm super excited because I was talking with three different people who all saw The Cottage. And I was like, oh, we're having a cast member on. And they were like, I hope it's... And then I yeah. was like, oh my God, it's her. It's her. So Dylan, <laughs> Dylan, because they said she is stealing the show. Oh. Yes, 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 yes. Well, she's known for doing that. So we're going to get into it. Our guest today is a Broadway breakout star who is currently performing as Deirdre in The Cottage by Sandy Rustin at the Hayes Theater. 
perhaps best known for originating the role of the Girl Scout. With her show-stopping performance in Beetlejuice on Broadway, she also covered the role of Lydia Dietz. Audiences across the country might recognize her from 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee, Avenue Q as Kate and Lucy, The Visit, opposite Cheetah Rivera, Saturday Night, Anyone Can Whistle at New York City Center Encores, and more, including Grease at Paper Mill Playhouse, Hairspray Into the Woods, Pregnancy Pact, and countless others. On screen, you might recognize her as Sarah Lauren Timbers on Nickelodeon's Welcome to the Wayne from Inventing Anna, Submissions Only, The Batteries Down, and much more. She is still stunning, mega-talented, and her star is only continuing to rise. Please welcome to drama, Dana Dana Steingold. Steingold. Oh my gosh, that was the nicest introduction. Oh my goodness, listen, (laughs) you've done the work, honey. I know, and you're so (laughs) sweet. The vibes are already great. I can't tell you enough how excited we are to have you on, so thank you for joining us on Drama. Are you well? Oh my gosh, thank you for having me. I am well. Are Are you well today? Yes, it's the best I felt all week. I did pop a Sudafed a couple hours ago, so I'm feeling. There you go. That you always know. helps. Yeah. <laughs> Were you a Glee person at all, Dana? You know, I wish I could say I was. I sort of came in and out of it. I started okay. it and then fell out. And during the pandemic, at one point, I thought I would sort of get back in, and I, I kind of went and did the thing where we watched a lot of old things because I found that things that had an ending I knew were very soothing to me at the time. So I did a lot of rewatching. There's something to that. There's definitely something to that. The reason I bring up Glee is there's an early episode where Terry Schuster, who's Will Schuster, AKA Matthew Morrison's character, his wife on the show becomes the school nurse and gives all the Glee Cub students like Sudafed and it it becomes like an upper for them and they become like (laughs) insane. And I'm like, Maybe Terry Schuster was on to something when she was like inadvertently using over-the-counter drugs to yeah. give this to the Glee kids. That actress um, was so good. Jessalyn yeah. Gilsig, I think yeah. her name was. I, oh, wait, I we're not supposed to talk about scripted things. Anyway, anyway, sorry. Dylan, we're, if um, we're not in it, we, in it it's, not current, it's not like something, something to promote. It aired like that's 10 true. years ago. Or that's true. Wait, Dana, um, what did you rewatch during the pandemic? Okay, so I rewatched all of Friends, mm. all of Gilmore Girls, uh, which was very soothing. Including A Year in the Life? Including a year in the life. We watched all of Mad Men. We watched, oh my gosh, what else did I do? I rewatched pretty much all of Felicity as well, which is quick. It's like four seasons. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Also, secretly, what kind of made me go to NYU? So is that how the series ends? Is that how it ends when she? No, leaves? it's how it starts. No, right? It's how it starts. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yes, and they lived in these terrific, fabulous loft dorms with stained glass windows. <laughs> Newsflash: That's not where you live when you go to NYU. <laughs> um, but it was so fabulous, and I was like, I have to live her life. I have to be Carrie Russell, and I absolutely must go to NYU. Yeah, oh, my minus goodness. the cutting of the hair. Well, I, I was gonna say, I feel like that's the show's <laughs> legacy at this point. Was her her haircut that may or may not have been blamed on the show's like downfall right <laughs> i know i know and to this day i will watch anything with carrie russell or scott foley or scott speedman yeah mm-hmm. oh for love. sure god she really had the 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 love triangle for the ages there speaking of carrie russell i watched the americans during Ugh. covid lockdown, or yeah. lockdown fantastic she was amazing she's amazing I just watched her on something else too. I'm sure we're not supposed to speak about this. Um, I know. We can always cut out. We can always cut out this if we're not. You know what I was going to say? You mentioned Gilmore Girls. I feel like you'd really fit well into like an Amy Sherman Palladino project, like Maisel, like Gilmore Girls. Are we allowed to talk about this? I don't even. No, we'll, no. we'll check. We'll check. We'll check. And then we'll we'll check, and maybe we can cut it if it's not permitted. <laughs> I feel like tonally, like your essence would fit really well in those worlds they make. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. Well, hopefully when we're out of this uh, period of time that we're in right now and we come out ahead and we've done all the good work to negotiate all the contracts yes. correctly, perhaps there will be an opportunity that is created mm-hmm. by the amazing writers that will then go back to work and we go back to work. Very well <laughs> yes. said. I love it. Love. Now, you mentioned Scott Foley. Wasn't he just in a show at the Hayes? He was. And when I got there, uh, the head of wardrobe, James, I had forgotten my robe um, at home. And he said, I have a robe. You can have uh, Scott Foley's robe if you want. And I said, say no more. That shall be the robe I wear. (laughs) Yes. Wait, I love that. That's your tribute to Felicity right there. (laughs) 100%. And alias. And (laughs) alias. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Scott Foley. He was shirtless in the Thanksgiving play. Scandal for me was for him, you know, but wait, Connor, you saw Thanksgiving play? I did. Random. Did we talk about it? I don't think we did. Half Foley was shirtless in it, which was amazing. 
Darcy I'm Carden. I'm sad to have missed that. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> she's so fantastic as well. Um, and Katie Finner and just so many amazing people. Yes. Sadly missed out on it, but I wish I had seen it. Anyway, Dana, so we've got to talk. We've got to, got to, got to talk about yes. Cottage, which I am dying to see. Embarrassingly, haven't had a chance to go yet. But how's it been going for you? Oh my gosh, it's been going so well. It's definitely, you know, I think we're about three weeks into the run now. So I think we're, it takes a bit of time, I think, to find your groove, especially in a comedy, because moments are constantly revealing themselves to you and things that worked you know, a month ago in a room don't necessarily work with an audience. So I think Uh. we're all just kind of having a good time now and we're finally comfortable enough. There's so much text in the show and it is difficult and it loops quite a bit. So we're finally comfortable enough. I think where we know each other's lines and we can kind of save each other when something goes awry, which it inevitably does most shows, like something goes wrong, a prop will break or something happens or someone breaks, which happens to all of us. Oh, I love that. I love when that happens. Yeah. I think the audience is more on your side too when that happens as well, you know? I know. Well, last night there was a part where, I don't want to give too much away, but in the second act, my character sort of takes a turn and reveals her her true colors, I shall say. And there's a moment where I'm revealed sort of on a couch and people put props on top of my nether regions. And last night, my eyes are closed during this part because I'm passed out. And last night, Alex put my hand on top of the props, like moved my hand on top of it. And I just, I my eyes are closed and I'm just laughing and you can see my dress <laughs> moving and that makes everyone else laugh. <laughs> Thing of improv right there. SNL's yeah. Alex Moffat. That's so guard. fun. Oh my eyes goodness. Eyes closed. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I would break all the time. I mean, you're alongside very, very funny people, but you're also very funny yourself. Thank you so much. Thanks. Was comedy like, was that something that you'd always like, come naturally to you or was it something that you kind of had to like work towards you know so silly to say as like a Jewish person I think that's sort of embedded in our DNA like the anxiety we all naturally live with the only way to move through it is to laugh at ourselves and each other um so I think I come from a huge family I'm the oldest of four kids and then I have like 22 first cousins on just my dad's side of the family so everybody kind of had to fight to be heard all the time. And the way I did that was try to get everyone's attention <laughs> and putting my cousins to work and my siblings to work in all of my like productions in my living room and backyard that I would create for them where I was always <laughs> the star. Obviously. Of course, of course, obviously. And I think, yeah, it's ever since I was little, I just kind of, I don't know, comedy was always interesting to me. It always made sense to me. It was never something I had to kind of like work towards it was just sort of there and weirdly I think it is a little bit something that's sort of innate in you it's hard to teach somebody like how you just feel the momentum of something and that's where you need to come in and certainly we all try and fail all the time yeah I think it was always kind of in me and I I find it to be the most gratifying also the hardest though oh yeah lovely to just play a scene and do a dramatic scene because you can just let it take you where it goes but with comedy the audience is also sort of you know, in our show, the seventh character of our show, I would say. And so you have to kind of assess where they are each night and then figure out how far you can push or how, how you need to pull back to sort of read where they are. Sam, I imagine you anticipate a laugh at certain moments. And if the audience isn't with you, like, that's probably a little scary, you know, if they don't laugh at the expected part. It is. Although, you know, I'll say like yesterday, we had a show that was kind of one of my favorite kinds of shows, which is when there's a universal bomb just across the board (laughs) (laughs) and you have to laugh. And then you start just trying to make each other laugh, which is Uh sometimes like the most fun on stage. So yeah, we do anticipate and sometimes we leave a lot of space for the possibility of a giant laugh we're expecting and then it doesn't happen and you're like, whoop, gotta go. (laughs) Yeah, gotta gotta let the line keep going or, you know, because you'll hold, you know, for applause or whatever, but. Totally. And you learn where it generally does come in, but occasionally there are crickets and you just got to keep be on your toes and be aware of it and push forward. Yeah, for sure. What would you say like the cottage invokes the school of like what other plays do you think it follows, you know, like, or what shoulders of other plays does it stand on? It's interesting because it's sort of, I would say borrows from a few genres. I think there's a noises off quality to it in the chaos that ensues, but I wouldn't say it's a true farce, but it also has a lot of like, private lives and sort of like that Noel Coward-esque vibe. The way I've been telling it to people who are not in theater, I'm always like, it's sort of like um, if Downton Abbey was a comedy. Oh, 
love <laughs> because sign me I think up people love that yeah, oh, yeah it's very british the home is sort of this lavish beautiful quirky country cottage that paul titapu made that's truly like stunning and gets entrance applause every night oh my gosh i love when that happens yeah it's really gorgeous and there's so much fun to be had in the set and so i think I'm like, you know, it's it's sort of like that. People are kind of like, you know, having sex with each other. And, um, you know, then people overhear things in corners. So it's kind of like Downton Abbey. And, uh, yeah. you know, it's all revealed to them. And there's British accents. But also it's sort of like a sitcom. <laughs> yes. Okay. I love it. Actually, for our listeners who aren't familiar with it yet, can you give a, a quick little description of what the cottage is about? Yes. So without giving too much away, I would say the cottage takes place on one morning and it is the cottage that the entire family uses uh for their romantic trysts i would say mm. and on this particular morning all of the people decide to use the cottage at the same time <laughs> that is so <laughs> funny that's already an amazing setup yeah and but you said there's six people so it's a little bit more of an intimate crew and it is yeah so as each person arrives uh i would say like a little bit more of each twist is sort of like revealed um, and how they play into it and what they're arriving with, I suppose, um, mm -hmm. and what they're expecting. And then they're obviously met with a situation they are certainly not expecting. <laughs> and then within that, though, I will say it also talks about very real themes about marriage and fidelity and uh, what makes a good marriage and um, what that means to everyone. Yeah. But through the lens of comedy, for sure. And a lot of the cast members are individually married, right? I know Laura Bell Bundy and Lily. Well, I don't know if Lily's married, but um, we've had Lily and yeah, Laura she both is. on the she pod. Is. Yeah. Married? Okay, okay, okay. Actually, all of us are uh, married or partnered for okay. a very, very long time. Yeah. Yeah. Which is oh also always a lovely thing. I just think mm -hmm. as a company, there's like always this lovely, so it's like being in a club and you can all sort of have that good time together. And also because of what this play is about, it's also really nice that we all... <laughs> kind of, oh, that's so as a fun. Touchstone. Yeah. 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 What has been like the audience reaction so far? You said it's only been like three weeks of up and running. Yeah. I mean, people love it. They're kind of losing their minds um, in the theater, <laughs> which is really fun. You know, you can't have a bad day when you're doing a comedy, I always say, because like at the end of the day, you get to go to work and people laugh. And that is always pretty amazing. So I feel pretty lucky to get to do that. And it also moves really quickly. It's like once you're on stage, you don't leave. So it's kind of like, 50 minutes, I want to say, is the first act time. Oh, great. And 44 minutes is the second act. So it's very quick. Incredible. Amazing. Incredible. Yeah. So I think people are having a great time. They have a drink yeah. and uh, they watch people do really crazy things and tumble downstairs and oh my get gosh. drunk. And yeah, it's wild. And have time. accents. So do you do a British accent? Yes, we all do. Oh, I, love it. I love it. I know. Oh my gosh. I know. It's really crazy. And then my character takes a turn to her. I guess the way I say it is like when she gets drunk, her Jersey girl comes out a little bit. So she gets she gets to do a little cockney as well. Uh, oh, <laughs> amazing. Amazing. She's like a reverse it. My Fair Lady. It is a reverse My Fair Lady. And then as she sobers up, she goes back to her sort of the facade she's created for herself but oh that's so fun yeah and of course i'd be remiss not to mention that jason alexander is the director of this piece yes. which i mean you mentioned sitcom i mean like legend and just yeah. i mean also broadway guy as well for sure totally weirdly that's kind of how i know him because i i mean i watched seinfeld but i think i wasn't quite at the age to appreciate it in the way that i would now having lived in new york for 20 years and mm -hmm. being who i am but, you know, my parents certainly watched it. And to my in-laws, this is definitely the coolest job I'll ever have because he's evolved 100%. Yeah. They were like, great, great, great. We're so happy for you. So when can we meet Jason Alexander? Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> like, this is a very cool job. But I will say, like, I knew him from Mary Lee We Roll Along and yeah. from Jerome Robbins Broadway because I was like a theater nerd growing mm -hmm. up. Uh, so that's really how I knew of him. So... You know, now, of course, everyone knows George Costanza and all these things. But yeah, it was it was amazing. He's a legend in, in so many ways. And also coming at it from an actor's point of view, that certainly changes the way people direct and, and problem solve with their actors. And so it was it was a very cool experience. Plus, then we have Eric McCormick, who's also incredible and legendary in his way as well. And Laura Balbundi, who is legend to me. Yeah, of course. Of course. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah. LBB is a legend. Oh my God. We love her. Yeah. I'm sure she's so funny in this. 
She's fantastic. Yeah. I can't wait for you to see it. You'll, I think you'll really love it. It's really yeah. fun. Everyone's it's supremely silly. Everyone's really at like a level 10 silly. So <laughs> which is great. I you know, I feel like it's it's overstated lately, but it's like that sounds like what we all kind of need, you know, coming out of these last couple of years, like a good laugh. You leave the theater not feeling like down and out. It's Yeah, I agree. You know, it was so funny when Beetlejuice came back uh, after the pandemic. I thought how weird that after this time, our show is more relevant than when we left because it, we're sort of exploring all these like themes of like love and like loss and grief, but mm-hmm. through the lens of comedy. And it mm-hmm. starts at a funeral, which is sort of we all grieved so much during that time period. And then it just kind of we brought it back. And I was like, this is so bizarre that it weirdly feels more appropriate now <laughs> yeah and i think since then yeah to me light comedy is kind of where it's at i just want to escape for two hours i think that's not to say I that i don't love everything else i do no much, yeah but <laughs> absolutely sure. yeah was this on your radar like when when beetlejuice came back 22 21 yeah we did we did nine months i think we, we closed january i want to say it was like eighth or something mm-hmm. and the cottage, it, I wouldn't say it was on my radar. It came about, I saw like a cast announcement, like everyone does on, you know, Instagram or whatnot, mm-hmm. up in my feed. And I was like, those are people I like. Yeah. yeah. And I was away working in Florida doing a concert and I got a call from my agent and she said, Hey, can you read the script really quickly and maybe make this tape? They've been searching for this one part and they're having trouble finding it. Nobody can agree. All the, you know, the, the, the normal story of what yeah. happens, how you land a job. And uh, I read it and I thought, okay, I don't really know what my chances are of this, but I think I understand what this is. And yes, I definitely want to put this on tape, but I need an extra day because it's Friday and I'm flying home Sunday and I can't have this in Monday. So can I have it in Tuesday? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and from there, it went really quickly. I made a self-tape in my apartment with my husband who was my reader. Amazing. And it was like a very long self-tape. And when you see the show, you'll be like, wait, you made a tape of this? Because- <laughs> There's so much happening and there's so many, uh, there's like guns and so many props. So I had like a Swiffer wet jet, which turned out (laughs) to be too big. And then I switched it to like the top of my vacuum cleaner. It was crazy. And I really was like, they'll either think I'm insane or they'll be like, she's insane and we should definitely put her in this play. And one of the requirements was also, please make a video of yourself slowly becoming intoxicated until you pass out, which is a weird request, (laughs) but is something that happens in the play. And so I have all of these videos of myself, like flipping over my couch, going down backwards, trying to do it in a chair. Like it's like, and I ended up sending like basically a highlights reel. Oh, I love that. (laughs) Because they were all so bizarre. Like I had water all over myself. I looked a mess. It was sort of like uh, in Wedding Crashers. Was it Ethel Fisher's? Oh, yeah. I love her. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. I yes. love her. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's what it reminded me of. It was just disastrous. <laughs> and they, I, like a week later, they called and they were like, you're going to have a final callback um, in person. So Laura, the cast director, called me, gave me notes on my tape very kindly. And then I kind of just showed up and had like a 30 minute work session. There were a few other people there. And um, I found out like a day later that I got it. So it was a very fast process. It was very, and then they announced it the next week. So it was very fast. You were the last piece of the puzzle. Yeah. And that was about six weeks after Beetlejuice ended. So it happened pretty quickly. Okay. Luckily. And that's so weird how that stuff happens because when Beetlejuice closed, I thought, well, I don't know. And that's okay. You know, Mm -hmm. like something will reveal itself to me. And I said no to a couple like smaller things that I just was sort of like, I think this isn't the thing I want to follow it up with. And I think I'm okay to sort of wait a couple weeks or like a month or two and just take this time and, you know, not be on an eight show a week schedule mm-hmm. quite yet and figure it out. And um, I feel very grateful that I I did do that and that my my agents were patient with me. Yeah, and agreed no, totally. To <laughs> and this is just until October, right? Yes, this is a limited run. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love limited runs too. There feels like so much excitement around Same. it too, you know? <laughs> yeah. And I think, you know, post COVID, the landscape is so different. I think we've, we're seeing so many limited runs. And I kind of think it's awesome because we get to see so much more theater, so much new theater, which I think is really cool, especially I think in within like the play world for yes. like, musicals are so hard to do limited runs. They're so expensive. It's like very tough to do that. And limited run is like nine months. Right. This is so cool because we're getting to see so much new work. 
Yeah, yes. for sure. Okay, so I want to talk about Beetlejuice. I want to talk about yeah. your husband, who you've mentioned. But <laughs> oh, sure. before we dive into those, you also mentioned that you grew up a little theater kid. You loved, you know, Jason and Marilyn Roll Along. And, you know, you probably got into it early. And we do like to ask all of our guests about the moment they got hooked on the arts. We borrow the term Ring of Keys from the musical Fun Home because we like to think of it as this recognition that flashed across your face and you realized you wanted to be a part of it, not just enjoy it. Do you feel like you had a Ring of Keys moment? Um, related to the arts? I do. I think weirdly I had a whole ring of keys. Like I had several (laughs) (laughs) keys. I think the first thing was I grew up in an area where we had a lot of local theater and weirdly a lot of people who are in the industry grew up in the same area. So I grew up seeing community theater that had like Aaron Dilley and Hunter and Sutton Foster and Danny Gerwin. And so I thought local theater is amazing. People are so gifted. What area is that just for reference? I grew up in West Bloomfield, Michigan, and they were all sort of like spread apart around like Southfield, Troy, but sort of like the suburbs of Detroit. And there's a lot of community theater out there. And I just thought, wow, this is amazing. And I saw this production of Snoopy they were all in. And I just thought this is like absolute magic. And I was obsessed with Disney movies and I memorized everything. Like I would watch something once and just kind of memorize it. But (laughs) my parents, you know, they're dentists. They don't know from this at all. So they didn't really know what to do with me. So they put me in dance class, which is sort of, I think what everyone does with their child who maybe has an affinity for the arts. That sort of led to doing my first grade talent show. And I insisted on singing The Little Mermaid and I requested a a fin. So my neighbor made me this beautiful costume, this aerial costume. And my mom said I refused to rehearse it with her. I said I'd rehearse it on my own. And I went on stage and like laid across the stage very dramatically with the fin, just like she did. Like I was on the rock in the movie and I sang the whole song and my parents were like, okay, we didn't actually know she could sing. (laughs) So that was a surprise to them. Were you shy to rehearse in front of your mom or was it just like a a confidence that you're like, I don't need you. I can. I think I was just too confident. Yeah, I, I love that though. That's like only a kid can have that, you know? Totally. I always say I did my best work as a child because <laughs> it's before anybody, like the voice inside you is like, that's not good enough or mm-hmm. you can't possibly do that at 14. That's crazy. <laughs> so you're just working on instinct, which is kind of the best way. But yeah, I think I just was, you know, really into it. And I think um, I like to self-direct. And so <laughs> I, I staged it and I heard an audience applaud and I was sort of like, whoa this is a thing. And I want more of that. So I sort of begged my parents to let me do community theater. And that kind of spiraled uh, from there. And one of the theater companies that I worked with, Danny Gerwin's mother ran it. And for anyone who doesn't know, Danny is like amazing. He was in like Scarlet Pimpernel and Full Monty and a little night music and Lori and Little Women is probably the thing everybody really knows him for. But mm-hmm. he's amazing. And he said to me, I was about 10 and he was like, you have to go to this theater camp stage door manor. It will totally change your life. He said, don't tell my mom I told you. Because it would take you away from uh, the summer show. At the- <laughs> it would take me away from the, her summer camp. He was like, but you have to go. You must go. And so I begged my parents and they finally let me go when I was 13. And it was truly like, I think if I had to pinpoint one moment, it was walking into the lobby of Stage Room Manor for the first time. And all these people were singing like Sondheim in the corner. And like, it was nerd nirvana. Like it Uh truly was like, I have met my people, like everybody, you know, adolescence is such a weird time. And I think when you get to be around people who are like you and like-minded and love the thing that you love that much. It just, you're allowed to be fully who you are and you're so fully seen. And for so many, that was also like, I mean, not to get too deep here, but it was also like, I have so many friends who like came out at summer camp and all these things. And everyone, it was this like utopia where you could just be who you truly were. It's beautiful. Yeah. And it was amazing. And they created this space for that. And that was when I realized I'd never been around that many talented people. And I was so inspired and so I was truly just in awe of everyone. And I couldn't believe I'd landed myself there. And I went back for six summers and it was like oh. the greatest greatest place on earth. And how long did you stay there? Each session is three weeks. Okay. So my first session, my first summer, I went three weeks. And then after that, I was always six weeks. Uh-huh. You're sold. Yeah. You're hooked. Oh, I was totally hooked. And all my best friends are still like all my summer camp friends from that time. And, you know, I grew up in the nineties. And so it's like, you had to work hard to be a theater fan. Like now you go on YouTube or you mm-hmm. go on Instagram and there's direct access to all the people you admire. And you can, you know, you get a DM, you go see Beetlejuice and you get a DM from someone who's like, I love Beetlejuice and someone you like it and you respond, or you can see 
a bootleg. Yeah, right, a right. Slime tutorial. A slime tutorial, right? As, they, as the kids call it. <laughs> right, as the kids call it. And that was not something that we had. So you had to go to like Barnes and Noble and like actually listen to cast recordings at Barnes and Noble, mm-hmm. and then you'd have to imagine what the show looked like. And that's how you became a theater fan. So like when I say theater nerd, like, I mean, I really was like, you had to really delve deep into your nerdy self because it was not easy to become one in Michigan. That's so true. I have like vivid memories of getting a cast album for Christmas or something and, or like a birthday and reading the booklet inside the CD that had like the plot description with the songs. And I would like take out my little Walkman and listen to it from start to finish. And I would have to imagine like, what do they look like when they're doing this? Like what dialogue is happening between this song and that song that sets this up? Like you really did have to use your imagination. It almost feels like antiquated at this point, which I I guess it kind of is for some people. Yeah. But in a way, I also think it made me a better and more creative actor and scene partner. And I think all my friends would say the same because we couldn't copy it. Right. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. we had to imagine. I mean, certainly we all copied the vocals. That was a thing. Well, but I yeah, think, of course. But of course. I mean, I've Im- impersonated Bernadette in my bedroom for years. Yes. But, <laughs> but like, that's why I think it was such a cool time as well, because, and that's why we got like the Bernadette Peters and the Patty Lapones of the world and all these distinct voices who were actors first. Not that we don't have those people anymore, but it's it's become something a bit different, right? And totally, yeah. The vocal prowess is incredible, but it's become a, a different thing. And yeah. so I don't know. I loved all the old musicals, and I was just like obsessed with with everyone. Barbara Cook too, a master oh, yeah. of lyrical phrasing. Obsessed, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know, I actually knew you went to Stage Door because we were talking to our friend, friend of the pod, Max Jenkins, and we were like, ah! we were, and I saw that he followed you on Insta, and I was like, wait, do you know Dana? And he goes, know her? Do I have a VHS tape of her singing "The Witch" and "Into the Woods" that I, from Stage Door Manor? <laughs> Which hilariously at 16 is the only time I've ever gotten to be the witch. I've only played Little Red since. Uh, oh yeah, my I saw God. it on your resume a few other times. It's like only I've stage done, door, like, right? Five productions, but oh my gosh, I saw insane things. I saw 14-year-olds do mother courage. <laughs> I saw, I mean, you can't believe the things you see, but it's kind of amazing. Like people are genuinely brilliant at that age because you don't know any better. There is mm-hmm. no task that you think you are incapable of. So yeah. it's kind of the best time. Yeah, it's it's wild. I always say my friend Jessica Waxman, who's no longer in the business, but she played Roxy Hart at 14. And I swear to you, it's the best Roxy Hart I've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> and that's so fun, too, is that you're all friends, you know, so you're all encouraging each other. I remember yeah. there was that documentary about stage. Was it called Camp yes. or was it? What was or That was the movie Camp that the had Anna Kendrick. The movie was Camp. And yeah. the documentary, I think, was actually called Stage Door, maybe? Okay. Which, yeah. I can't say it was the most accurate representation of That's my experience there, but a lot of the people in there, like Itai and Randy, there are people who I went to camp with. Itai was in that production of Into the Woods, actually. Oh, my gosh. Going- Yes. Oh, I could see it. Yeah. Yes. Along with Eric Bergen was in that, too. He was Cinderella's prince. Oh my gosh. Jed Resnick was the baker. It's yeah, it was hilarious. 54 Below should do that reunion concert. They've got all the other ones going on. You know? <laughs> uh, I'll pitch it. I'll pitch it. Yeah, there yeah, you go. Yeah. There you go. That's amazing. I think that that, I mean, the way that you speak about it and your knowledge of theater, like I can tell, like you you really think about this and you breathed it for so long. It's really, really special that, you know, some people I think sort of stumble into it and other people, it's truly their life's passion. And I think it's so cool to see you're living your dream now, you know, two Broadway shows under your belt. And as we read in the resume, so many other things before that. So that's just so cool to, to be in your presence. Oh my gosh. Thanks. Yeah. To, to be in this nerd's presence. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so did you decide to study theater at NYU? I did. I think, you know, I grew up really close to Michigan, like U of M, like 45 minutes away. And as much community theater as I did, I never did theater in school. So all my friends were separate from that. And I thought it would be weird to then go to Michigan and all my friends were joining, like becoming Kappas and Thetas. And then Mm -hmm. I was going to like insulate myself into this like small conservatory within this university. And I visited like Carnegie Mellon and CCM and a bunch of other places. And I don't know. I was just also interested in being a student of the world and I wanted to take other classes. I ended up with like a minor in gender and sexuality, which I don't know Whoa. what that for, but slay. Yeah. Ahead of your time. Ahead of my time. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I knew what was coming. And I don't know. I just, I fell in love with New York on my very first trip that my grandma brought me here when I was 
seven. And my parents were sort of like, if we're going to spend all this money, like you're going to go to college, like, why don't you just go where you want to live? Just go Mm. to New York and do it. So thankfully they were supportive and they sent me off when I was 17 years old to New York, which is wild, but it was sort of like the best way to learn the city because I got to see so much theater and I was immersed in it. And, you know, college is such a unique experience. I think you learn if you're ready to receive, you will learn wherever you go, be it a small college in the middle of nowhere or one of the best, you know, conservatories in the country. But I think it was absolutely right for me. I met so many great people. Max Jenkins and I went to college together. Yeah, it, it, for me, it was absolutely the best thing. And it was a natural progression to study musical theater. But it was nice because I think NYU is also a little bit more, shall I say, freer in in how they uh, how they structure the program. So it's a little less like you are this type and we're packaging you to be that thing. And I, I appreciated that because I felt like I had the freedom to kind of explore other sides of myself that were not as that did not come as easily to me as the things that I naturally would be cast as. And I think that's only helpful because hindsight, I always feel that like I actually always learn the most when I'm the most uncomfortable mm. and being pushed really hard. But as you know, when you're 18 or 19, you're like, this feels terrible. I right. am terrible. Uh, yeah. That's so interesting. Now, when you went to New York with your grandma, did you see any shows at seven years old? I did. I saw Annie Warbuck. Oh, wow. I saw The Phantom of the Opera. Life-changing. Life-changing. Absolutely life-changing. Yeah. Like, for real. And what else did I see? I think I saw Beauty and the Beast. And my friend at the time, so I grew up with the Keenan Bolgers as well. We were also okay. all in the same, like, circle of theater kids. And I think, if I remember correctly, Andrew was Chip at the time. And so I saw him do Chip. Oh, how cool. Yeah. Oh, that's so special. I always forget that that's where he started, like back then. Yeah. Now I'm oh like, oh, gosh. he's like a popular Instagram gay presence and yes. actor. But yeah. he really started back in the Beast's castle. Oh, absolutely. And like Celia and Maggie and Andrew and I all did like the peanut butter players together. And I remember seeing Celia. We were all in Oliver together and Celia was bet and we were all like the, you know, the boys or whatever. Uh-huh. And I was like, I want to be like her. She's so cool and so amazing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> she just was everything to me. She's one of the best <laughs> that we have. She I mean. is. She's fantastic. And she's just warm and intelligent and kind and all the, all the good things in the world. The whole family, Aww. their whole family. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. First of all, the Peanut Butter Players, that is probably the cutest name <laughs> for a theater group I've ever heard in my life. I know. I know. I know. Oh, I love crazy. that. Going forward. So Beetlejuice, this is your Broadway debut. This was sort of the dark horse of that theater season. You know, I think we were all really proud of what we had made. And many of us you know, there were 10 or 12 of us sort of in that principal and featured line who'd been there since the very first reading. It takes a lot to build a musical. <laughs> I mean, any show, but specifically musicals, I think people don't really realize how many years it takes to really make it happen. Um, and even this is fast because Warner Brothers was behind it. So really a four-year process before it's not that long. But you know, we all loved what we made. We loved each other so much. We went out of town with a very different version than we came into town with. I would say the really? out of town. Oh, yes. The out of town version, um, the Girl Scout died. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> she was chased off by clones. And oh. like the first chase. So if you've seen the show now, like where the yeah. book crosses with Lydia, where she gets frustrated, all of those transitions between the Maitland's home, the attic mm-hmm. and the house. It was the Girl Scout literally coming out and screaming at me like, and it was like, doo, 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 and Elliot and Tessa would chase me off stage. And there was a second one. And then the third one, they came on and she was wearing my backpack and Elliot was eating my cookies. They also chased me off through the audience with knives. <laughs> oh my God. So very different show. Very different show. And I lay dead on the floor for all of Beautiful Sound through a seven minute dance number. <laughs> And then she came back alive and they're like, get her boys. And they went, sound, that beautiful sound and chased me off with knives. Hence the chase. Yeah. Yeah. So it was wild. It was very dirty. I believe we had a, the opening joke went through many iterations where Alex first pops up, mm-hmm. but one of which was like, let's all do Coke off an usher. I mean, it was really wild and believe it That's or not, hilarious. that was cleaner than any version we had done as a workshop. 
(laughs) And it had like an NC-17, like I think it said like parental guidance needed out of town, all these things. And it was, listen, I have a lot of fondness for that version of the show. I can't Mm -hmm. believe what we got to do. There were clones, like acolytes. It was really wild. Wow. Where in DC was that? At the National. The National, okay. Yeah. And then, um, you know, we came back in town. They received the reviews they received. And I think they also smartly realized people wanted to bring their whole family to the show. And so they said, let's recenter this. Let's make it about Lydia's journey. And they did a whole rewrite. And we all got the script and we were all calling each other being like, is this going to work? This feels like a little clean, which, as you know, if you've seen Beetlejuice, I would not call it a clean show Mm -mm. at all. But like, it felt very PG compared to what we had been doing. But, um, you know, we all trusted our creators and the creative so much. And uh, we thought, okay, we're going to we're going to do this. So they did a two week workshop of this new version. And uh, we went into rehearsals with this version. And it turns out they were incredibly smart because it was a family show and it spoke to teenagers specifically, I think, like young people who felt unseen. And I think that that was sort of our key demo. And when we opened, we were not sure if we were going to make it past like, I think we opened in April, mm-hmm. started previews in March. And we were like, are we going to make it to like the Tony's even? Or like, wow. And people who were coming were loving it, but it was hard to get people in the seats because as we know, whether we like it or not, reviews can definitely impact who comes to the theater. And yeah. that's a whole other conversation because I think it's it's such a weird thing, right? Reviews are not for me. They're, they're to inform a ticket buyer, but mm-hmm. it's also complicated because- Sometimes something might not be your taste, but there's a way to acknowledge, but the people around me are losing their minds. So this isn't for me, but if you just want to have a good time, maybe go see this. You know what I mean? Yeah. And somewhere along the lines, I think we've sort of left criticism, like actual criticism and sometimes gone into like mean territory. Right. Right. Like attacking territory. So it was interesting. And we were like, I don't know. And then we got the Tony nominations and we were like thrilled because we knew we were going to win. So it was just like the kids who were happy to be there. So we probably had the best time that night because we had no stakes in the game. And the performance was amazing. I mean, it really stood out that night. Thank you. I think Timbers is so smart. And because he's done so much on camera stuff, he knows what's going to work. And the way he directed everyone to shoot it and just involved everyone, I think it was smart. And I think rewriting the lyrics to the opening for each thing that we did was absolutely correct. I can't believe that Brightman did it every single time. It's truly wild. And only a few times did the fake lyrics end up in the show in the evening. (laughs) 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 And it would have happened way more to me. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. But, you know, we had no idea what was going to happen. And then the cast recording came out. And that was really the game changer. Mm -hmm. And it took TikTok by storm. And we love what we made. And so we sort of did a grassroots campaign, like literally as a company, like Carrie Butler was like, we should just like every post that everybody, you know, whenever anybody tags us in anything, just like it. And she was totally right. And so we all just started like liking it or posting like cookie, green heart, whatever. Yeah. And people just sort of slowly started following the show. The community built that really naturally and almost like aggressively fast. And between like the Tonys and September, we were making like, it just totally became like we were at 110% capacity Yeah, and people were losing their minds coming in cosplay every day. And the line slowly went from like, 15 people the stage door to like wrapped around the block to the front of the winter garden kind of thing oh my gosh it was i mean truly wild i've obviously never been a part of anything like that and i i'm not sure any of us ever will be again i think you're lucky if you get one beetlejuice in your life Mm -hmm. but um you know the show is like deeply fun everybody who made it is so awesome and i think people respond to that and how much we love each other and how much fun we're having. And it really was like a family and it was a totally wild experience (laughs) to go from like what you think might be a flop to like being the wildest like success story. And then coming back from the pandemic, it was like actually insane because we were coming back as a hit as opposed to opening new. And that was a totally different thing. And although we missed out on I think I'm allowed to talk about this now. We were going to do a, they were going to film it. Oh, I remember rehearing rumors about that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think there's like a bunch of rumors. The kids online, I don't know where they get their information, but it's like sometimes like weirdly half accurate. Right. (laughs) But yeah, we never filmed it other than the B-roll and, you know, 
yeah. whatnot. So they have the whole show on tape, which they did show us during the pandemic to Aww. let us see it. And they put like credits on it, put the Warner Brothers thing. Um, and they made a whole night with like a live chat, like almost like a streamer's link. It was really nice. Oh, I love that. That's yeah, cute. but it was in previews. So it was okay. not exactly yeah. where we ended. It was like preview five and the show okay. changed a lot. But we were supposed to film it and do a capture they for like a week. And they had already started moving into the theater, into the PT room, all the camera stuff. And they were mapping everything out. And then the world shut down. And so that didn't happen. Oh, this was pre-pandemic. Okay. And I remember also, like, were you on as Lydia during that period? Because I didn't Sophia leave. And then there was like covers. And had she been recast at that point? Yes. So Sophia left. Uh, I think this was like in February. Okay. Okay. And then Presley and I were rotating throughout that time until I think now we're allowed to say it was obviously Elizabeth Teeter who was coming yeah. in, but <laughs> she, her time got cut short, obviously, because everything got shut down, but she was going to do the capture. Okay. Um, And that was sort of going to be her introduction as well. Oh, that would um, be amazing. <laughs> I know they had all these cool things. I hope I'm not giving anything away, you guys. Yeah. But they wanted to do all of this backstage stuff because people were so invested in in all of us and like the family we had. And so they were going to do like music video of Deo and like all these things where they were going to film backstage as well. Like all the costume changes and like the Argentina change and all these things and mesh it all together. So we were going to film for like a week and wow. do it for super fans, basically like all in cosplay was sort uh-huh. of the idea, I think. And I wish we had gotten it together. I mean, I think, you know, it's so expensive. I wish they had done it like a la Diana over the pandemic or something. Right. <laughs> right. The thing is, never say never with Beetlejuice. That's what yeah. I learned because it's defied all the odds. So it wouldn't surprise me if in like three years, they're like, we're going to get together. We're getting mm-hmm. the fan back together. And we're going to film Beetlejuice. Right. Yes. Yes. I think that'd be such a treat too. Now, yeah. I have a question for you because Sophia originated the role of Lydia mm-hmm. and she has a very like pop girly type yeah. recording voice. Was there any like pressure on you and Presley to sound like her or to sing it that way? Is this question making any sense? I don't, I'm yeah, just no, curious totally. about that. Makes sense totally. to me. Because you have like more of like a, of a traditional theater yeah. pop voice, which is For beautiful sure. and something that I'm more used to. And sure. I'm just curious about like, as you're covering this role, what was the guidance there? You know, I think we were really lucky at Beetlejuice, both with our musical director, Chris, and also our associates and uh, Maddie DiCarlo, who was PSM and sort of in charge of all the covers, especially that first round. Sophia gave us like this incredible roadmap to follow, but I think they were very much like, this is your journey and you can do whatever you want to do with it as long as we're hitting the same marks. And anyone you see do it, there's definite like, you know, there's things people expect. Everyone wants mm-hmm. the dead mom pose at the end. Everyone wants these things, you know? But I think we were given the freedom to do our own thing. And also like I'm coming at it from an adult perspective, which is also Mm -hmm. different. So I think certain scenes land differently, specifically the section of home, like that will be very different and informed by my age for sure. You know, and there's things like I could never do what Sophia does. Like what she does is so incredible and unique and specific. Like I remember the first time I ever heard her sing Invisible at one of the workshops when, uh, because we had somebody else in the first um, and she came on the second one and it was like, it was truly like magic. All of us, like I remember Jill Abramovitz turned to me and was like, what the, I can't swear <laughs> on here, but she was like, on what? Oh minute? yes, you can. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just, it was kind of wild. She just was a really like a super talent and so special. And I mean, I can't do what she, she does. And, and that, you know, it's a good lesson just in general. I think so much of this business, we try to be other people and that's, you know, when, when I teach people are like, what's your best audition tip? I'm like, be yourself. And it takes a really long time to learn that. But all the things that are unique about you are actually what gets you jobs Mm. ultimately and is what makes you interesting and weird. And that makes you very interesting to watch. And when we try to like hide all of those things, you just kind of become a weird musical theater machine Mm -hmm. and it's great. And you're, and you're staring at a point on the wall and that's really, you know, it's flawless and it's whatever, but I can't say it's interesting. Yeah. And I think it's really great to acknowledge what you can and can't do. And for me, my way in was not going to be Sophia's way in. So I got to do my own journey and we never had any pressure to like sound like anything. I mean, the internet always, of course, there's like weird social media pressure, but I think we all try to like not get to, unless they tag you in it and then you're like, why don't you tag me in this guy? Yeah, I know. That's so weird. (laughs) That's so weird. I was, when in doing research on you, I found like this, now expired link from an article that was like ranking all the Kate monsters from Avenue Q and all the links are dead now, but I was like, who's this for? Like if an actor is tagged, they get a Google alert and they're like, 
like, why, why, why? It made me re- realize, like, you would be a perfect Kate Monster and oh Lucy. Oh, my God. And, and Lucy. <laughs> I'm so sad I didn't get to see you in, oh my God. in the show. My, I'll tell you, my shoulder is not sad. Um, <laughs> I, <laughs> I didn't think about that. There was probably a lot of PT needed on those. Uh, I will say it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I mean, I was inside of a box puppeteering in Beetlejuice, which also like the pig oh. and Shrunken Head, all of that kind of came out of, I was doing Avenue Q at the time that we were developing Beetlejuice. And one of the final like labs, Michael Curry came up to me and was like, are you claustrophobic? And I said, no. And he goes, and you puppeteer. And I said, yeah, I mean, like I do have a new cue. I don't know if you call that like I wouldn't call myself a master puppeteer, but I'm like, I'm yeah. okay, I'm fine. And then sure enough, that pig box and the shrunken head followed. <laughs> <laughs> Shouldn't have said yes. No, I'm kidding. Right, um, right. But yeah, the there's a lot of BT. It was weirdly the hardest thing I've ever done because as you learn to puppeteer, what you realize is like center, like the eye focus is the most important part. And when you're center, if you're in a natural position, your eyes will always be left. So you have to twerk your hands and your wrists to the right all the time to actually be center. It's a lot on your wrists and your hand. And it's also really hard, especially coming at it as an actor first, not a puppeteer. Because when I saw like Stephanie do it, Stephanie is such a master, like truly she disappears. And all you see is that puppet. Mm -hmm in the best possible way. As somebody who likes to kind of change up what they do and go with my natural instincts all the time, you can't really do that until you're comfortable with the puppet. And it it takes like not a month of rehearsal. It takes a few months to really start wow. to feel like I'm decent at this now and I'm going to make a slightly different choice because my puppet will follow me and I know how to make that work. But yeah, it's really hard. Like puppeteering is it's actually kind of the hardest show I've ever done for that reason. Wow. Yeah, it's it's really challenging. <laughs> <laughs> like shockingly challenging. But now forever on your resume and one of your special skills. So yes, puppeteering forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows where that'll lead? I feel like we could keep talking to you forever about so many different things, but we are sadly wrapping up. And before we say goodbye, we like to end on a dose of drama. A little tidbit we want to share with our listeners that's been in our lives lately. It could be something you've just been thinking about, or it could be something you've been binge watching, want to recommend, rant about, rave about, something you're excited about. I will start today because I am so excited. One of my favorite books, my favorite gay young adult romance novels, Red, White, and Royal Blue, is being turned into a movie, and it's coming out this weekend on Amazon Prime, and I cannot wait. I feel like the press that they were doing months ago really got us all excited because they haven't been able to promote for the last like month and a half or whatever, but I truly cannot wait. I need, I need it now. I need it now, and I need them to have sex in it because if they don't, I'll be very disappointed. <laughs> I heard that they do. They do. They don't shy away. Yeah. It's not sanitized. Well, we have Heartstopper, which is so wholesome. And now we need... I love it. I'm ready for... It is wholesome. I'm rewatching season one right now just to get me ready for... What's what's to come? Uh, I, I already finished season two. It's so good. You did? Um, yeah. Yeah, Dylan, okay. okay, Dose of Drama, you go. My Dose of Drama is, so I was listening to another interview that you did with Eli Tokash from Take a, Take a Bow podcast. Oh, yeah. He's a sweetheart. And you mentioned on there that you were supposed to do the Godspell revival in the, the early aughts of the 2000s. Do you know what your song was supposed to be? That's This is my drama. So this is a totally crazy story about also why this business is so insane. So I was on the road to Smelling Bee. And I went in for Godspell. This was like this wild audition process where you had to like make a parable and bring props and do all these things. And I found out really early, weirdly, I think I sang and luckily the the story I was told was Stephen Schwartz was like, she will be in the play. And so I, I didn't know what I was going to do. Mm -hmm. And um, I ended up Morgan James and I were cast as Ah. the two female covers. So Mm -hmm. we were both learning all the tracks. And then um, a week before rehearsal was supposed to start, that was going to be my Broadway debut. I was 22 that was Gavin Creel, right? Gavin Creel, Josh Henry, Uzo Aduba. That cast was stacked. Telly mm-hmm. Leung, Sarah Chase. And yeah, it was uh, going to be really awesome, I think. A week before rehearsal, like the Times ad had come out. The marquees were up everywhere. And we were indefinitely postponed. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I cried like you do for like 48 hours. And I thought, yeah. okay, well. I have to get another job because mm-hmm. I just left the tour and I moved and spent a lot of money. So I have to get another job. And then I got high school musical two at North Shore music theater and then North Shore music theater closed. And I was like, is it me? 
Am I the thing that's closing all of theater? <laughs> no. <laughs> Wait, who were you supposed to be in Hesk Musical too? Um, I was Kelsey, but we oh, had, we were basically the last production that closed North Shore Music Theater. <laughs> it's is it gone now forever? I, I think it reopened, and they have a new artistic director. Okay. At the time, it was I think it was Barry Ivan at the time, and okay. he also directed this. And I think you know they smartly thought like we're not doing well. And I think when they did High School Musical, it was this giant hit, and so we all came back, like everyone came back, like Kate Rockwell and everybody who was in it. We had a great time, but we were doing High School Musical too, which famously is set in the summer um, for Christmas. Um, oh, and it was like, wow! <laughs> this so is we were like in bikinis. <laughs> yeah, like my costume for the finale was. A literal yellow polka dot bikini. Very Kelsey. Very <laughs> and Kelsey. a Kelsey hat. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like, who picked this? That is but so yeah. bizarre. So bizarre. But yes, I was supposed to be in that gospel revival and it didn't work out. But you know, it's so funny because then it takes a long time to get the thing that gets you back to Broadway. But I truly would not have had it any other way for it to be with Beetlejuice because it was like all of the things that I'd ever dreamt about, like having a song on a cast album, doing the Thanksgiving Day Parade, performing on the Tonys, originating my own part. That was all sort of like wrapped up in one bow. And it was such a magical experience that I would not trade it for anything. And also when stuff like that happens to you, it makes you so, like you never take anything for granted. Like mm-hmm. you really don't. And I think when it happens to you later in life too, not to say you can't appreciate it when you're young. I know a lot of young people who are magical and totally do, but there's, it just, you come from a different perspective and you're like, right. every day that I'm working is a really good day. <laughs> you know? I love, I love that. that. No, that's something that people I think will take, should hear and internalize too. But sometimes you do have to go through something like that to experience it. Yeah, for sure. I don't recommend having a Broadway show canceled. I don't, but. Especially (laughs) after leaving your other job for it. Like that is like a nightmare scenario, but wow. I can't even imagine the devastation, but that was like pre-posting on Instagram. I'm making my Broadway debut in Godspell. Then you have to go back and delete the post, but you didn't have to do that back then. Thankfully, no, we only had Facebook. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, to send us home, Dana, do you have a dose of drama today yeah so have you watched Luann and Sonia welcome to crappy Life? oh yes oh yes I mean I just have to talk about it because I feel like a we're not allowed to talk about any real television and right, that's not right, gonna right. Go with reality but <laughs> yeah to me I mean truly 10 out of 10 no notes mm-hmm. right. like this is Shit's Creek yes meets they I, I don't know who pitched this like I'm just dying to know what that pitch was they're like listen hear me out real housewives but Shit's Creek Yes. Here we go. Like it's and they even picked the perfect town. Like it's all worked out. The fact that it's called Crappy Lake, mm-hmm. I can't even believe it. And like right now, I don't know how far you are. I'm fully caught up. Okay, so like number one, when they went to Sue's. Oh yeah. Hilarious boutique, the one boutique <laughs> mm-hmm. in town. They're like, we need to go shopping. We've run out of clothes. Yeah. <laughs> mysteriously also has a full line of wigs like right. why do they have wigs at the start inexplicable like the amount of wigs and they leave and then Luann forgets her wallet and somehow they let her walk with the merchandise right and she's like, later so wild <laughs> Luann just has that about her though you know I'd trust her listen to me I'm a conscious man fan through and through I did see her show at 54 below yes. that is my that is my Hamilton I mean yeah. truly. <laughs> and when I I went and I sat with I couldn't believe it. My friend and I bought tickets. I sat down and we were at the table of Carson Kressley. <gasps> no way. I know. And I mean, the way I felt, this is who I get starstruck for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. These people. Yeah, yeah. Me too. And I was like, <laughs> oh my gosh, Carson so he introduced himself very kindly to us because we were going to be sharing a table and he'd maybe mm. already had a few drinks and, you know, yeah. before below, we're having a great time. It's yeah. seeing Countess Luann, like do her cabaret. Right. And he misheard me when I said my name was Dana and he thought it was Dina and I didn't want to correct him. And he called me Dina for the next like three hours <laughs> experience that we had together. Yeah. And I was too embarrassed to correct him. Oh, wow. I'm obsessed with that. But no, I'm so with you. Crappy Lake is... <laughs> The most prestige television I've seen in years. I mean, it the is. comedy, the heartfelt interactions that they oh, share. Oh, I cried oh. during when they put up that playground. <laughs> Meanwhile, like, Sonia's making fun of Luann. She's uh-huh. like, like, Luann, just cut the ribbon. You know? <laughs> I'm like, I'm obsessed with the two of them. It couldn't be better. Also, just to tie it back, when I did Avenue Q, they let me do, they brought in Luann and Dorinda to Avenue Q to learn how to puppeteer and I to teach them special. And it's truly, I wish I, this had video and I could like show you the video I have of us doing it. I think I made a post on my Instagram years ago and I was like, I've never like said so blessed, but this is to me, this is the definition of absolutely hashtag so blessed. I've never been this blessed (laughs) in my life. 
to be in the presence of greatness. Was this a segment for the show that just didn't make it? I think a little bit made it on the show. And then they did something for our show with it. Like it definitely made it onto some weird like Pix 11 or something. Yeah, yeah. But I had the boomerang because at that time, like I think this was like 2015 or 16 or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. 17. That was a huge time for boomerangs. 17 sounds right. Huge time. I mean, boomerangs were a vibe. That was all we were doing. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) So we have a boomerang and we're all, I'll show you after, but it's like Sony and Luana were all like shimmying with Lucy. (laughs) You can't believe it. Oh my God. I'm obsessed. That's like the perfect ending to this chat. Yes. Yes. It has been so enjoyable through and through. Dana, thank you so much for joining us. I literally can't wait to see the cottage. Everybody has to go check you out in it. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your time. You're so lovely. You're a breath of fresh air, Dana. Oh, thank you for having me. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank we you. we have really enjoyed this. And, we, and everyone can follow you on Twitter and Instagram. Is it it's D Steinface, right? Yeah. I'm all the same on all the things. I, I can't say that I TikTok a lot, but it's there. We'll we'll link it all <laughs> below. And of course, like Connor mentioned, everyone's got to check out the cottage. And while you're following Dana, follow us. We're at the drama podcast. Connor's at Connor McDowell. I'm at Dylan McDowell. Thank you again, Dana. And Connor, I will see you next time. Drama. Drama.